Sanibel Island is an idyllic shard of land wedged off of the southwest Florida coast. Its beaches are infamous for perfectly preserved shells, which are scattered in plain sight along the shore due to the island's unique and sheltered position. The island, only 12 miles long and 3 miles wide, buzzes with bikers, birders, beachwalkers, and wildlife preserve explorers. Recently, however, this utopian scene has been disrupted by the smell of rotting fish. Sanibel's shell-crusted shores fester with the rotting remains of a slimy enemy. Who is responsible for this devastating attack on our own shores? Well, my friend, it was an act of treachery. This environmental warfare was carried out by a pair of unlikely suspects. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, who've dumped extreme amounts of toxic waste into Lake Okeechobee over the course of two months, and an unwitting ally, the common citizen. I'll talk more about how you could be contributing to harmful algae blooms a little later. Right now, scientists worry about a dizzying decline in the health of the 80-mile ribbon of water that binds together Lake Okeechobee, the second-largest freshwater lake in the continental U.S., with the Caloosahatchee River's brackish estuaries and, eventually, the Gulf of Mexico, which flows near Sanibel Island. For years, coastal Florida has been under siege by the naturally occurring saltwater algae bloom Carinia brevis, commonly known as red tide. This type of algae, though toxic, is not linked to human-caused pollution or even climate change. K. brevis simply finds the conditions of southwest Florida favorable. However, a different variety of mean green single-celled thug has crept into Florida's freshwater basins. The toxic cyanobacteria, also known as blue-green algae. Here's the problem. The red tide can actually feed on the rapidly multiplying cyanobacteria blooms, a phenomenon which may explain the surge in Carinia brevis. But what explains the unusual increase of cyanobacteria? Well, that's where humans take the blame. Harmful algae blooms are composed of an excess of microscopic organisms, a few of which can produce dangerous toxins. As cyanobacteria blooms and decomposes, they can actually serve as food for toxic saltwater algae blooms like Carinia brevis, the species destroying 100 miles of Florida's coastal ecosystem and crushing the tourist industry. Of course, climate change and harmful algae blooms like cyanobacteria go hand in hand. Salinity levels increase in periods of drought, which allows for marine algal blooms like blue-green algae or cyanobacteria, which are the same thing by the way, to expand their range into freshwater regions like the Chesapeake Bay. Warmer water temperatures facilitate the growth of algae. Some species of algal blooms, such as K. brevis and cyanobacteria, contain poisons that attack the nervous systems of aquatic life and can even cause respiratory issues in humans and larger mammals. However, harmful algae blooms' biggest weapon is not their toxic properties. In fact, many species of algae are not toxic at all. And not all algae is bad. It's only when it reproduces so rapidly that it disturbs the ecosystem that it should be a real concern. The real threat of harmful algae blooms, ironically, is what happens after they die off.
Here's how it works. Dissolved oxygen saturation is a percentage of the maximum amount of dissolved oxygen that water can normally hold. During harmful algae blooms, the algae produces significant amounts of oxygen as it photosynthesizes. So for short periods of time, the algae produces such an overabundance of oxygen that it cannot escape into the atmosphere. However, as the algae begins to decompose, these dissolved oxygen levels deplete as the decomposition bacteria consume oxygen. Eventually, these bacteria devour so much oxygen that aquatic life is unable to survive. There's simply not enough oxygen left over for the fish and other aquatic animals. These regions of oxygen-stripped water are called dead zones, and they result in massive fish kills. So what does this have to do with dumping waste into Lake Okeechobee, and how do we contribute to harmful algae blooms? Well, nitrogen and phosphorus are two key substances that drastically heighten the growth of algae blooms. These nutrients are found in fertilizers used in lawns and gardens, as well as the lush golf courses that Florida is known for. When it rains, fertilizer runs off into nearby waterways and algae devours these nutrients. Apparently, these same nutrients were found in the waste dumped by the Army Corps of Engineers as well. An increase in blue-green algae, or cyanobacteria, due to fertilizer runoff provides an excess of food and nutrients for marine algae such as Carinia brevis, or red tide. In order to mitigate harmful algae blooms, scientists are looking into natural plant buffers, or walls of greenery that line waterways and prevent runoff from entering rivers and streams. Certain species of fish, such as the non-native grass carp, could potentially eat harmful algae blooms, though, of course, introducing a new species also disrupts the ecosystem. The true solution to this problem is simple. Reduce fertilizer runoff from lawns and golf courses. And more broadly, though this is obviously easier said than done, but nevertheless crucial, stop climate change before it gets any worse. Whenever I go to Sanibel Island, I love to bike through the Ding Darling National Wildlife Refuge. This serene sanctuary is notorious for its migratory bird population and serves as the habitat for more than 245 bird species. You can also spot bobcats, manatees, alligators, and crocodiles there. Dozens of endangered species such as the loggerhead sea turtle and the small-toothed sawfish call this place home. Unfortunately, Ding Darling is also plagued by non-native invasive species such as the coyote, nine-banded armadillo, and cattle egret. Named after the conservationist who saved Sanibel from developers and paved the way for the entire island to become a national wildlife refuge, the Ding Darling Sanctuary also teeters under the suffocating threat of harmful algae blooms. The park has reported thousands of dead fish washed up on the shores and even one dead pelican, all resulting from Carinia brevis. This 2,800-acre refuge is also suffering directly from climate change. Rising sea levels are eroding away at the barrier islands surrounding the refuge that shelter its coastal manatee habitat. In 1996, Red tide killed over 150 manatees in the region, and this type of bloom is growing more frequent as waters warm. Hotter temperatures during turtle nesting season 
also predetermine a higher percentage of female eggs, which could lead to a dearth of male sea turtles in the future. Lastly, juvenile crocodiles rely on external water salinity to maintain their health, unlike adults, which can adjust internal freshwater levels. As less and less fresh water enters Ding Darling's waterways, the salinity levels increase, harming these young crocs and allowing marine algae to expand its range. Bunch Beach is another one of my favorite places to visit. This 718-acre stretch of tidal wetland located on the San Carlos Bay is spectacular for kayaking, birding, and exploring. Nicknamed Old Florida, the preserve is said to represent the state's natural habitats before non-native species were introduced. I love to run along the salt flats mottled with periwinkle and rose-colored sand dyed by chemical reactions and organic materials. Sometimes I explore the muddy tunnels between the winding mangrove paths licking the back of mangrove leaves. Yes, I do lick them, and it's weird, I know, but the leaves glint with crystallized salt because the trees filter as much as 90% of the salt out of water they suck up through their roots. They then excrete this salt from glands in their leaves, where the crystals remain. Nestled in the trees, there is my favorite sand flat, where hundreds of thousands of fiddler crabs can be found scurrying across the mud in panicky droves. Bunch Beach is an official Great Florida birding trail site, which means it's one of the best places to spot migrating and rare birds in the state. Climate change and algae growth go hand in sweaty, slimy hand, but our warming earth poses other threats to Sanibel Island as well. Some scientists project that water from rapidly melting glaciers will raise parts of Florida's sea levels by up to 21 inches by 2040. As coasts flood more and more, mangroves have less and less room to shift further inland and avoid drowning. Wetland ecosystems such as Ding Darling Refuge and the surrounding Tarpon Bay could be completely submerged in the rising seawaters. Sea turtles, shorebirds, and other creatures that depend on the shores for nesting grounds face imminent habitat destruction. Hurricanes and tropical storms will strengthen, especially without mangroves to buffer the islands. There will be a loss of sponges and marine life, coral bleaching will grow rampant as waters acidify, and rainwater runoff will shift into patterns that further contribute to harmful algae blooms. This is devastating. Our earth is literally crumbling away, and yet in the grand scheme of things, we are doing nothing. We can slow this down, and before it's too late. Nobody is too young or too old to help out. If you can vote, vote. For you as an individual, it can be as simple as not using fertilizer. For large corporations, it can be as easy as not developing massive hotels on stolen beaches. It can be as effortless as hanging on to your trash or buying a reusable water bottle. Sanibel Island is on the front lines and casualties are piling up. Now, I'll be honest, I tried to think of a way to end this podcast on a positive note. I racked my brain for lighthearted puns about sea turtles or porpoises. 
uplifting and eye-roll-inducing quips to tie off this episode with a hilarious finishing touch before I wave goodbye. But then, I realized how stupid that is. This is not the time for puns. This is the time for change, and not climate change. Climate change is happening now. There is nothing funny about this, and I'm not willing to dissolve away my distress for the earth and my generation with a flippant joke. I'm terrified. I'm disgusted. I'm furious. Yes, these issues are disturbing, but we need to be disturbed. So I'm not going to end this with a joke because climate change is not a farce that can be tied up neatly and forgotten about following a pun and a plea for likes and follows. This episode may end abruptly, but our earth doesn't have to. Ding Darling, the grandfather of Sanibel, an avid conservationist, would be appalled. Let's make him proud instead. Thanks for listening to Park Wake Up Call.